This is Nate Dodson, and you're tuning into And This Is Why, the podcast show. A show where we help you take your business to the next level. New episodes every week streaming on your favorite streaming platforms. Enjoy today's episodes. Hey, so thanks for joining this episode of And This Is Why. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most important things about business And, you know, we help people raise capital, get things going all the time, but kind of the toughest part of it is finding the investors. And so today we're talking to one of the premier marketing agencies in the business focused on crowdfunding, how to take an offering, create the funnel, get people into the funnel to bring you more capital. Today we're going to be talking to Jason Fishman. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you being here. My pleasure, Nate. It's an honor to be here. We know what a big role you play in the space of equity crowdfunding and you know the larger world of entrepreneurship. So excited to be here, happy to be an open book in terms of marketing and uh, share what we see in terms of success across our client list. Well, you, you just threw it out there. So like, I appreciate the challenge because... I got to tell you, marketing is like a mystery. We know that, hey, what's crowdfunding? Magically, investors show up. Somehow, they decide to invest. And at the end of the day, it's all because of the types of strategies that you help implement. But I'd like to digress a little bit so people understand who they're talking to, who they're listening, and learning a little bit about Maybe you could tell me a little bit about your background and even how you got to do your own marketing agency. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. I'm a, a marketer. been doing this for over 15 years. Uh, fell into the world of equity crowdfunding, but I'll, I'll start a little further back. So I, I first got into to marketing at an agency here in Los Angeles, working on the creative side of brands for, for Gen Y. Millennials were called Gen Y back then. I, I fit into that demographic and was able to build marketing plans for action sports brands and music and entertainment, fashion. It was it was a lot of fun uh, and was my launch pad, right? Uh, later got into uh, the world of startups to an extent, working with a social gaming company here in Los Angeles. And that's when I first learned about traffic sources. And we'd build these algorithms to project average revenue per user, and overall growth projections for any of the the licensed partners we are taking on for brand entertainment with social games, taking a you know license with over a million digital users, they had to be digital, and being able to determine, hey, how much could this really be worth around this vertical? And as I'm learning about traffic algorithms, uh, we partner with an advertising uh, network, and games are backed up in development. I hop over there. The founder had a an exit that was nine figures. I wanted to learn everything I could from him and got deep into the world of advertising. And at that point, ad tech. So mobile advertising was emerging. Tablet advertising was brand new. And I was able to represent print magazines for their tablet editions on the iPad. And that was considered premium inventory at the time, high click-through rates, high-end audiences. I got to work with many top 100 advertisers. And started to see what worked and what didn't work across the full spectrum of industries, budget levels, timelines, 
And as I was bringing in that knowledge, I, I was enjoying the the ability to say, hey, we worked with this big brand and that big brand. And you know, I could go on about all the different companies and what we did to coincide with the Super Bowl and with this film launch and with this app launch for some of the biggest e-commerce retailers. But but there was there was something missing in it for me. I, I wanted to get back to the world of startups and started my agency DNA uh, in 2014, first as a growth marketing firm and doing a lot of the same approaches we were with the larger brands, but for startup to mid-market businesses and uh, full stack. So not just advertising, but the content marketing. I'll get into that later in the discussions here. It was more rewarding for me to be able to focus uh, at this stage and to, to be directly part of our clients' growth. If I was working on a campaign before for one of the largest uh, you know, uh, tele telecommunications companies uh, in the country, they'd say, hey, great job. We're going to consider you for the next campaign. You'll get an RFP from us. Or now we're you know, going to our clients' offices that are getting bigger, their teams are getting bigger, their technology, everything's becoming more advanced. I uh, wanted to focus uh, on earlier stage companies and my partner, Tim Martinez, our COO, was working as a consultant. He's been a career consultant and, and coaches companies of all sizes uh, to this day and you know, had a long history of it even at that point. And he was working with some industries that were underserved. Um, some of them actually focused on the longevity marketplace and uh, uh, various types of, of boomer-focused uh, products. And we we found that they were behind in terms of digital marketing, the brands. So we we rolled out. <laughs> whoa, 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 you just said boomers were behind. <laughs> the the brands. The brands were <laughs> specifically. And we're talking twenty fourteen. So uh, you know, Facebook hadn't really evolved their mobile advertising product yet. Unless you were working with an SEO company and you know, they were doing some things on Google for you. You were doing very little in terms of digital marketing. So we saw that as an opportunity. We began focusing there. Uh, I was involved in the action sports community. I brought some some clients and brands on that were big in, in snowboarding and skateboarding and surfing. Those were, were passions of mine uh, at the time and still to this day. Uh, I'm going on snowboard trips and travel around for that quite a bit. But uh, we were trying out different industries. We wanted to see what would work, what would not work. I brought on a few uh, consulting clients, marketing consulting, that were able to keep us busy for those first six months. But uh, it was all about business development, how we were going to be able to grow around this model we had built. We, we had spent a lot of time productizing and really setting up this business for, for, for you know, our own scale. And uh, while, while doing that, we had to try different things and see what stuck. And the second half of that year, it's funny you mentioned the first six months because uh, the first six months, more or less getting by, right? And still, uh, you know, the revenue's low. We're not paying ourselves the way we were getting paid, you know, in, in our career before that. Uh, but, but the second six months changed and brought on some larger clients, brought on a client that was a uh, content aggregation platform. And I was building the traffic systems for them. So both how they're marketing and bringing users into the platform and then how they're 
setting up their advertising sales to monetize that traffic and looking to bring the, the marketing costs in to, to get traffic at a lower cost and what they were selling uh, advertising around and uh, got into a whole ecosystem that brought in more clients uh, on top of that. The next six months, things were moving. It was very uplifting. We had incorporated the company in January and at the end of year one, everything slowed down. Holidays, hey, you know, maybe February it's going to pick up. March, hey, the, the, the proposals are there. We're getting verbals. Uh, any day now, groups are, are going to sign and client list will be higher. We did a trade show around then, brought in a large footwear client, but but they took six months before they actually started spending with us. Huge client once that occurred. But meanwhile, from about February, March, until July, there were question marks. Uh, and I again, I don't talk about this regularly, but, but we were unsure whether we were going to continue as a business, and then it all picked up and kept going from there after July. Do you find that like digital advertising is very cyclical or more like that avalanche that it just slowly keeps growing and growing? Um, kind of what do you experience? So the the industry heavily works off relationships and recommendations. So whether it's social proof and hey, look what this agency, look what this ad network, look what this influencer network did, look who they worked with. Or, you know, a service provider saying, hey, you, you should definitely speak with this marketing agency. We just did your video. Uh, we just worked on your, your, your taxes, your incorporation, your website build, whatever it is, you should speak with that group. So unless you have a lot of those partnerships in play, you have to do heavy business development and against groups that are getting recommended in there. So we had to build a case study, show we are successful in an industry. Hey, look how strong these return on ad spends were with this footwork client. Uh, we know your apparel. We could do this same type of thing for you. But we are one of thousands of agencies in Los Angeles, in California, let alone the country. So it was, it was very hard for us to you know, be able to really get our footing. We'll get to equity crowdfunding later and talk about how we were able to do it there. Uh, but uh, you know, as an agency, you, you need to position upper management as thought leaders in the space. Podcasts like this, publishing, case studies, partnerships all need to be very, very visible. Otherwise, you're you're just you know one of these other groups that offer th offer things that don't always work. Marketing does not always work. We'll talk about that too. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it took a while to, to really get that built out. You know what? And I want everybody that is listening to really pay attention to it because we're talking literally to a marketing specialist, but he didn't talk about his marketing to build his business at all. It was about the relationships, the spheres of influence. Yeah, getting your name out there, but it wasn't just getting your name out there. You throw in the, you know, poop against the wall, see what sticks. Like there was a lot more strategy behind it. And I just kind of really want to emphasize that because the experience that Jason is talking about really applies to all businesses. Now, the, there is a secret sauce of how to get uh, potential customers and investors into the funnel. But at the end of the day, it is your repu reputation your abilities, who you know, likes, and trusts you that 
at the end of the day can make or break your business as you're getting ramped up, getting it funded and getting it moving forward. So hopefully, uh, Jason, I didn't uh, take away a little bit uh, from from the marketing uh, expertise you got, but I that really struck me as you're doing business just like we all do. Absolutely. Get out there, make it happen. Absolutely. And I, I want to share this transparently. I don't want to make it look easy. I don't want to make it sound like we were an overnight success or anything like that. I, I really had to, to test out different avenues, see what worked best, and continue to act towards those areas that were giving us the best returns. And, you know, we, we run advertising for ourselves on Google, on Facebook. Uh, we run banner advertising. We have our whole content system now, but it took a while to get there and we needed to have enough to, to really talk about. So we put out social posts every few days, if not every day, put out an article every couple of weeks. I, I do a podcast episode of my own every week. Uh, we put out a webinar every month, each with its own educational deck. Uh, speaking at conferences constantly, it, it's this full content stack, uh, but but needed to have the strategy, as you're mentioning, to be able to talk about. We, we needed to work off of that messaging all the way through so that we were showing actual thought leadership, not just clever taglines, but being able to talk about our relationships, being able to talk about how our campaigns are doing well and what's actually making them move, being able to talk about uh, what audiences would be searching around for to, to learn. I love it. Well, with that, you know, before we get to crowdfunding, I've got a really big question for you. Sure. You've been in the industry for a long time. When Facebook was cutting edge, today there's still so much new things happening. I couldn't even explain what Web3 means. But what do you see happening now that's going to be where just in your mind, you're like, this is going to be huge in the future? <laughs> well, in terms of product, in terms of marketing, they're, they're, they, they have a you know, convergence point. Um, you know, AI is the popular topic uh, and there's fears around it as well. And hearing how fast these technologies are evolving and how they're talking to each other and how they can all connect one day. Um, Skynet. Yeah. Yeah. And how we may be connected to that at some point. You look at products like Neuralink and, you know, how we're going to be more machine at one point. And, you know, you see everybody staring at their devices already today. So you could picture, hey, this is going to feel primitive at some stage down the line. Um, so I yeah. just can't wait to wear the glasses. That's about it. You know, it all pops up right there. Yeah. I was waiting for the Google Glass back in uh, 2014. Uh, they're, they're definitely coming out. There'll be products that, you know, will <clears throat> create more immersive experiences where you go and give you information quicker. Uh, at this point, I try to have the right tech technology balance in my life and have at limits on my apps. And I try to be mindful what I use at night and during the day, uh, during the weekend, because I know the power of media. I know the power of these products and I want to make sure I'm conscious of how I'm using it. Um, but, uh, you know, the big thing is AI and how that can be used to create content, how that can be used to do outreach, how that can be used to create products and, and businesses and media. You know, uh, you see these tabloid type articles and they're saying, hey, it may be AI just powering all of this, even if it's misinformation and getting out there. So as a marketer, learning how to use that uh, 
to be of value, to be of impact towards the right products, the right causes, the right raises is something that we're focused on. But you make a, a huge point that it is still creating a lot of misinformation, wrong information out there, uh, as well as doing marketing, uh, relying on it for your blogs. Like the algorithms see it. They know that, oh, this is just, you know, no effort content. And so you may not be making the impact that you think, even though it's just like a massive amount of stuff going out there, there does have to be some thought and process behind that too. Absolutely. And uh, we did a webinar on AI back in July. And we talked about good and bad uses of it, as well as recommendations. And I've heard people say, hey, we used chat gpt to put this together almost as a validator almost as a sign-off when i recognize content that's been built with ai poorly um more and more these days and you know they're tools it's all about how you use them it's all about how you're setting up the prompts it's all about how you're reviewing and even cutting down what comes out uh how you're going through the design and not doing it just for sheer volume but to create a better product and uh, yeah, I, I see it misused more than effective these days. I still think the the human behind the wheel can be more powerful, but uh, you know, there's different perspectives on it. Well, well, all right. Hit us with the most important topic of the moment. How did you get into equity crowdfunding? Sure, sure. So, as I was mentioning. There was this draw towards the fundraising side of things with the brands we were working with on their marketing campaigns. And I was introduced to Reg D, uh, what I had called Reg D Equity Crowdfunding, 506C, which allowed for solicitation to accredited investors, individuals with, at that time, over 200K uh, income over the past few years and or a million dollars net worth outside of their primary home. And I was able to target those audiences with advertising. I had relationships in the ad tech space. Not only can I apply filters by household income, by net worth, but I could combine that with various investor behavior or, or just content consumption subsets. So I could find investors who are interested in a given industry. And our first campaigns were advertising uh, towards platforms that hosted these uh, Reg D accredited investor deals. And we saw success and got brought to more of those. And they weren't all working, uh, but the ones that did, it was a massive return, and we kept getting introduced to more. We got some attention from the reward crowdfunding world at that point. Indiegogo, Kickstarter agencies started seeing what we were doing with traffic over here and asked us to do it towards their Indiegogo and Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, those are fast-paced not always a huge ad budget. There was only so much we could do there. And we were more in the background. What we were really doing with those groups was getting experience and awaiting the launch of Reg CF. We were told it's not a matter of if, but when. And from first half of 2014 up until May 2016, we're waiting and got campaigns live day one uh, in, in May 2016. Started working on Reg A campaigns later that year as well. 
and to date have worked on over 350 equity crowdfunding campaigns, well over 400 investor marketing campaigns. We've done this for different VC funds and in real estate and in digital assets. We've done it towards Web3 audiences. Uh, anywhere we could take an investor to a marketing funnel, we've probably worked on a campaign or had a group reach out to us uh, about these types of approaches. And, you know, I've, I've seen it, you know, grow. I've seen it uh, have different strides in terms of what the portals, the sites hosting these deals that, of course, allow for both accredited and retail audiences. It's no longer limited just to higher net worth uh, audiences and uh, been able to, you know, test a lot of different approaches to see what works. In many cases, show a strong return on marketing spend and, and be brought in to do more of it. When it changed from really you're targeting only accredited investors to now you can target everybody, did it actually just change the strategy a lot or was it more like, a, okay, well, we're just lowering the minimums. Now let's just blast out that much harder. There was an aspect of let's blast it out more. There's bigger audiences to reach. But I wanted to look at the fundamental distinctions. So accredited investors, the SEC was lighter in terms of marketing to them because they were contacted with these type of opportunities in a, on a more frequent basis. And they were looked at as, hey, they can evaluate them to a greater degree. They can take losses to a greater degree. And that that's different than a retail audience that's now being contacted for the first time, often with ads on Facebook, uh, about investing into a startup. And, you know, you think towards the, the story of Facebook and other startups where if you would have invested and they went public, it would have been worth, you know, dollars. And here's examples of people that became billionaires off of it. That, that was... In many cases, the hope, the dream that retail investors were, were looking towards, there was definitely a gap for education. And I think the portals uh, tried to do a good job even early on in explaining, hey, you need to diversify your portfolio. This is high risk, potentially high return, but, but go into it with, with the right mindset. There are already caps for how much someone could invest uh, before disclosing and then once disclosing their, their income and net worth. So they're just the right guardrails. Uh, but an accredited investor, there's a longer sales cycle and usually an offline touch, a uh, call, a meeting for a Reg D campaign. Uh, for Reg CF, we needed to convert those audiences uh, in 99% of the cases fully online and without speaking to anyone on the team or a founder. So the, the traffic sources, the ads, the content, the offering page needed to do a strong enough job to sell the securities, to you know, pitch the opportunity, um, it needed to reflect what would occur in an in-person meeting. And whether we were working on the page directly or advising on it, whether we were building the creative for the ads or content, which we did in most cases, or again, just you know, whiteboarding on it with the client, we need to make sure we are doing that in a quick fashion to audiences that don't see these type of uh, deals on a daily basis and then do enough follow-ups so that they can remember, they could come back and they could convert. Um, there were more flashy creatives. There were uh, more uses of influencers. One of our first big camp, uh, 
our first reggae uh, was for Rayton Solar. Bill Nye the Science Guy was in that. So many different variants of the ads of the audiences. At one point, we had over 280 variants running with ad and audience combinations. So, you know, it was the, 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 the test lab, and we needed to see what was working, not just go off our assumptions, but physically be able to tell, hey, retail investors for Reg CF, retail investors for Reg A, this is what they're responding to. So you just brought up, I mean, Bill Nye, we all know who he is. I'm sure that he had a lot of success with that company raising capital. Could you kind of describe, I don't know if there's any limitations on what you can share or not, but if you could say, this is who our client is or the type of client that had unbelievable success and here's why I think that they were really successful in raising capital, including all the wonderful stuff that you did with them. Sure, sure. So we do have a case study on this campaign, as well as multiple other rounds for now Rayton. Uh, and they're, they're, uh, they've brought in over 8,000 investors from, from advertising. That They are a great uh, example to look at for any founders who are considering uh, running a campaign in the space or, or have a current uh, raise up. Uh, for uh, the reggae campaign, uh, and this is a campaign that went live in January of 2017. It was in Test the Waters before that, and we worked on the Test the Waters uh, as well, which is uh, the pre-launch. You can make reservations during those stages, but you can't physically invest uh, until January of 2018. And we saw a full arc with the advertisements involving Bill Nye. In fact, uh, there was heavy amount of comments for a couple months uh, as he was in the news around politics and people wanted to say what they would say. It's something you have to actually look out for with brand partnerships and celebrities and influencers being part of the, the campaign. Uh, but I think Rayton did a great job at simplifying what they do into a few words. And... That's important because not only does your audience have to understand what you do and the potential of the investment, they have to know it to a strong enough degree that they can share with others. Whether it's to justify why they invested or, or even to be ambassadors and effectively peer-to-peer -peer market uh, because that, that's what really drives these crowd sales. It, it's not just the advertisements and you're using advertisements to get every single investor on board. No, uh, 20 to 50% of the conversions, if they're coming from ads, you're in a good place. If it's over that, you have to ask, hey, why isn't this picking up on its own? Because that's the idea. You bring an investor in, they tell a few people, friends, family, coworkers, first degree network, and they're not going to do that unless they can say, hey, these solar panels are more efficient in terms of costs, they're more effective with the energy. And, and look at Bill Nye talk about how great they are. They're, they're literally saying this is the future and they're going to be able to get it done for a fraction of cost of their competitors. I mean, so what I'm huge hearing you talk about is storytelling. Yes. You know, telling the story, and this is something that you know we take all of our clients through, like what's the story that you're selling, the sexier the story it's not just about, hey, we're doing this widget a little bit better than the last guy. It's the what's the impact that 
you're going to have on society, on the world, on the, you know, frogs out there in the swamp, whatever it is. But it is kind of, at least in my experience and opinion, it's more uh, what's the impact that you can have because people want to buy into that too. Exactly. Exactly. And we'll see founders, maybe uh, founders uh, as an example, the engineering background, want to talk about the product for 30, 45 minutes when we're holding these strategy discussions. And we, we have to pause, take a step back as a team and be able to say, hey, w- what are we really talking about for the investment opportunity? Where is the beginning, middle, end to the story? What What is the audience going to latch on to here and then be able to repeat it to people around them? Well, what's the moment the audience is going to say, oh yeah, I'm going to put in all my personal information, my banking information, everything to actually participate in this deal. And what can we remove? How can we even do it in a quicker window of time? It's more powerful to be able to say something in three words than in three minutes, let alone in in 30 minutes or longer. So being able to take that story and polish it, polish it, you know, make it as impactful as possible is really the, the goal. If somebody's trying to tell their story as succinctly and as impactful as possible, do you have like guidelines? Like we've all heard about elevator pitches, the 30 seconds, the two minutes. Like if you tell somebody, if you want your message to be amazing and you want to catch people's attention, what advice are you giving to them? Sure, sure. So I, I point at my friend Ryan Foland. He's a TEDx speaker, and he's created something called the 313 method. The 313 method I, I've used. It's how I've come up with the name of my podcast, Test Optimize Scale. And it's, it's exactly what you're talking about, a system to be able to get there, where you break what you do down into three sentences. And that can be very tough for a lot of founders with companies that are complex and have a lot going on. So you break it down into three sentences. And there's a, a whole program you could do, but the, the simplicity of it is you then take those three sentences and you put it into one sentence. Again, take some time, and then you eventually go from one sentence down to three words. And, and if you could explain what you do in three words, there are so many applications uh, of marketing that y- you can then go into uh, with, with that content. And people can remember three words. You throw four at them, they, they feel like they need to start writing it down. But three, they can recall and they could bring back. So I, I, I highly recommend that. I can, I'm sure I can come up with my own, you know, but, but I give the credit to Ryan. I, I point at him regularly for this. Well, well now you got me uh, double thinking. You know, my, my firm is crowdfunding lawyers and our, our slogan is security simplified. Uh, now I'm just trying to think about which one of those four words can we just uh, get out? And I think it's probably the lawyers. That's the least important part. <laughs> Security simplified crowdfunding is now who what we do. There you go. <laughs> so the biggest question of the day, what strategies are you really seeing working to raise equity capital through these crowdfunding campaigns you're doing? Sure. Sure. So... I like to break it down into three categories. Three sentences, one sentence, yeah. three words. Let's go. I think we've all been to a digital marketer site where they say, hey, we do all of these things. It's just lists. Wow, I need to 
study this over the weekend. I don't know what's going on here. But I, I break it down into three areas, content marketing, advertising, and outreach. Content marketing to build the funnel. I've used this word a few times. It, it's a marketing concept to take audiences from the point of awareness to consideration to intent. You can see it's a funnel because there's a percentage of that audience dropping off. They're never going to get to that next stage each time. Awareness, consideration, intent. Even the ones that intend to invest, a great deal of them will not. To investment. In many of these campaigns, repeat investment. I'll see 10 to 30% of investors participate multiple times in a reg CF. And then at the bottom of the funnel, what we're really playing for is advocacy. That, that is that peer-to-peer -peer marketing. So if you think of the funnel in that regard and you're anticipating seven or more touch points because it, it, it's, it's rare that a prospective investor gets to a deal and says, awesome, let me open up my wallet. Let me get you all the information. I'm never coming back to this page again. Great, we're, we're submitted. It, it, it's usually some type of consideration process and then telling yourself, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to invest, you know, intending, and then life happens and you forget about it. Meanwhile, if you have content to be able to take audiences from, from one stage to the next, uh, you're more likely to have a high conversion rate, higher conversion rate at that. So when I say content marketing, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, digital content, I like to break it down again into three categories, social media, email, and long form content. Um, multiple social media channels, multiple posts a week at a minimum, email, at least a weekly email newsletter. If you don't know what to talk about, speak with consultants. We're, we're always happy to give ideas. We publish all different types of content that even give templates and what you could talk about at different stages of the campaign, but you want to make it exciting. You want to build a content calendar for the next month and take the audiences through an experience and showcase the momentum, showcase the traction. You may have to go out of your way to, to create it, but, but make sure you have something to talk about regularly with that update, not just a how about now in the emails. So email newsletter, talking about all the great things you're doing that week that you did last week. Two email drip systems, drip systems, four to seven emails over the course of a couple of weeks, one for prospective investors that have just signed up for your email, one for completed investors. Again, I want to see them participating multiple times. I want them sharing with their friends, their family, their first screen network. So you want to stimulate that. And then the long form content, big fan of webinars, monthly webinar at the least. Uh, you could have an industry leader sitting there next to you, a lead investor talking about how great what you're doing is. Uh, compliantly, of course, and you can have a Q&A, an investor town hall, it could be looked at as a demo day. You could find different concepts for each month, gives you something to market before, during, after. So if you're wondering what I talk about on social a few times a week, gives you something before, during, after to talk about. Uh, article every couple weeks. This could be done with a recording and transcription. Uh, you do it with video, you could have some video clips to, to splinter out into those other shorter form channels. Uh, as well as a portal update is what we call it. And even if you're self-publishing on your offering page, doing an update, talking about something great you're doing, you want these audiences to really see where you're going and and have a fear of missing out on that moving ship. So so that's so, content marketing. Okay, something that, that you had brought up, you know, before we kind of went through the path are the seven touch points. Yeah. And couldn't agree with you more. It's that constant reminder, oh, yeah, I meant to take action. Okay, now I really have to. When you design this overall funnel from awareness all the way down, 
is are is the seven touch points part of the plan that you're taking somebody down this funnel or is it more of a you know you're trying to hit seven different touch points before you get somebody actually to the bottom of the you know awareness taking action being an advocate sure you know in a perfect world you'd be able to take audiences from a traffic source such as an advertisement or an art or an article to a landing page get their email address they go from one email to the next and then see a different piece of content and it's a it's a very uh, consistent path but realistically it just speaks to the concept that they're going to need to come back seven times before they actually commit and put everything in so you want to put as much content as you can out there that reflects you in a positive light so that they're more and more and more inclined to invest more more likely to participate once they get there you want to be intentional about what they see while they're doing their own due diligence uh, it could follow a direct sequence. You may be able to see, hey, email four is really converting audiences. Uh, in fact, what's going on in there? Maybe, maybe we could create more content like that. Uh, but it, it really just speaks to the larger point of it's going to be a later visit that they actually move forward on. Well, you're talking about, you know, maybe email four did great. Now we're talking about, you know, KPIs and what are you actually looking at to say, okay, this is really working out versus that, which I'm so-so on and different strategies have different KPIs. How do you approach those? Sure. Sure. So I mentioned the turn, the, the, the philosophy I have of test, optimize, scale. To break down what we do, it's those three words. We test different marketing channels, audiences, messaging, funnels, looking to identify pockets of performance. We look to optimize those as well as the, the other variants, uh, get them to a, a good point, you know, a full sample size, a full test, and then we scale what's working. We have assumptions going into campaigns, uh, but, but we need the data to tell us what's working so that we can actually have the results. And the only way to measure is with numbers. So you put together these key performance indicators, as you're saying, these KPIs. Uh, I have a whole strategy process. Instead of saying, hey, it's four things and starting with strategy, I say strategy activated across content ads and outreach because, again, it's easier to recall. Uh, I built a system called the eight-point plan. I've written about it in Forbes, elite workshops on it. You guys are welcome to check it out online. And uh, as the, the main section of the strategy that everybody flips to is the projections. Everyone wants to see the numbers. So if I spend you know, $5,000 a month, $50,000 a month on ads, you know, what type of KPIs am I going to hit? What type of traffic? What type of investments? What's my return on ad spend going to be? What's my cost per acquisition of each new investor, of each conversion? Uh, it's a funnel, impressions, clicks, conversions, the conversion metrics are what everybody wants. Uh, we shoot for a 10x return on marketing spend, 10x return on ad spend, different ways to look at it these days and the pixel data, the pixel tracking data is a, a little blurry. Uh, but at the same time, if you're spending, uh, you know, 100K over the course of a campaign and raising a million dollars, and maybe you're starting with 10K and you see it working and you keep scaling into it and you're doing disbursements uh, from your rolling closes and reinvesting into it, you don't need a large amount to get there. It was more of a, a starting point. But but that that is a, a metric that's looked at industry-wide as, as a good return. We have campaigns 
performing well above that right now, have some of the top campaigns in the industry right now. And uh, it, it's it's a Monday. We're recording this. I actually do a Monday report. I've been number two campaign for last week. I remember we have the returns showing up on all of this. So, you know, it could be a 2% cost of capital, not a 10. But if you're hitting that that um, that metric, you're in a good place. And I could work backwards. We have decks on, you know, if you're getting a $20 CPM and any 20, every $20 you spend, you're hitting a thousand impressions. And then from there, you're getting a 2% click-through rate. And then from that, you're getting, you know, dollar cost per click, 50 cent cost per click. If you're getting traffic there, if you're hitting a 2% conversion rate of the traffic and you're spending $100 to get an investor because, uh, you know, one out of every 100 investors is converting at a 1% conversion rate. You can, and then it's a $1,000 average investment on a reg If you could break all of this down into metrics, um, I'd say those are the, the most important though for us is um, click-through rate, you really want to be above 2%, but at least 1% conversion rate same concept uh, this one's much tougher it's the most important metric is the conversion rate it's what brings everything together and then the cost per acquisition if you're somewhere around a hundred dollars even 200 you're in a good place if your average investments around a thousand on a reg cf uh, if your average investments around 2200 on a reg a you could definitely be at that 10x on a reg a even 20x level so and, and i know you know talking to other marketing agencies and guys that are in the business They'll say anywhere between five and twenty percent, and I don't know. It's just this massive range. Uh, y- you sound like you've got some confidence in the ten percent delivery. Which, if you ask me, that is, it's not aggressive. It is is very sounds very realistic to me. Uh, do you? Actually, you're keeping up with your KPIs and how it's working on the campaigns. Oh, yeah. Do you think that that 10% is pretty reliable for a sexy story, of course? It all comes down to the conversion rate. If the conversion rate is there, absolutely. To get that actual stability in your conversion rate, there's a big gap among issuers. And I, I recommend anyone who's looking to go into one of these raises... Uh, to do some research on King's Crowd. King's Crowd, there's other analytics sites as well. Um, we'll, we'll let you see all of the live reg CFs on portals, uh, some of the self-publishing ones as well, uh, if they're reporting on their page how much they've raised, uh, how much has been raised in any given month. The top 10% of campaigns, uh, reg CF, do about 150K or more per month. Uh, the bottom 50%, let's call it 10 grand a month or less. So it's not as simple as say, hey, if you spend on advertising, you're going to get a 10x return. And the gap is that conversion rate. If you are getting a good conversion rate, the the, the messaging and the creatives for the ads, the audiences that you're targeting, uh, all of the different variants that you can move for the campaign can be optimized to a point where you're getting better and better performance. But you can't make audiences invest. And there's usually something bigger that's in the way if the conversion rate's not there. So it could be as simple as changing up the offering page maybe a few times and getting it to a good point. It could be adding more social proof, talking about more achievements, uh, having more investors participate as a whole to then show that that third-party validation uh, it could be a variety of things. Uh, it could take a while to get there. I will say, once you're able to get it to that point, 
you've got those tools on your belt. And we're working with groups on their second, third, Rayton's on their sixth round with us, uh, who I was mentioning earlier. So it, it is powerful once you're able to find that winning algorithm. It could take a while to get there. Again, test optimize scale. Uh, but once you get the conversion rate to a good point, you can anticipate strong returns. So, so let's say I'm coming to you. I've got a new startup business. I've been doing it for years. I, I do have a network myself. I've raised some capital privately. I do have some customers. It's an actual going business. Uh, and now I'm trying to raise $5 million. And I'm just, hey, I got to figure this out. I'm going to use Reg CF. Jason, I want to work with you. What are you telling me that I should plan for and expect in terms of getting something launched? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it takes a crowd to build a crowd. Never said it exactly like that. But the more audience building you could do before the campaign without priming, you got to do this compliantly. But the more audience you could build beforehand around your brand, the, the better because they're all gonna have that head start to investing once you actually announce the deal. Where if you have no one listening, hey, you need to get a lot of people to that arena before you start seeing some initial performance. Uh, when looking at the stats, uh, a huge percentage have never raised more than 75K, when really you need to be over 100K, 200K, 250K, 500K, before you start getting the attention of the critical mass. Uh, the crowd very much goes to the top deals in any of these live portals. If you're driving the traffic to your page, even more of a reason why you need to have that existing audience because you're responsible for all the traffic. Uh, when I say your page, if you're self-publishing your page, maybe it's on your site, which is great if you have an existing audience. But uh, the, the more of an audience you could build beforehand, the more you could get them excited about what you do. So once an investment opportunity becomes available, the better your chances are in that first day, in that first week. And then you want to build and build and build on top of it. Uh, the crowd dynamics are very real. If you do not have enough capital raised or enough social proof uh, to, to point at, it feels like an empty restaurant where the product looks good. But, but something seems off. No one's here. Why am I the only one? I don't understand. Where you then look at the spot across the street with the line around the block, and you don't even know what they're serving. You just tell yourself, oh, well, I'd like to eat there. Maybe one day. It's probably too busy today. They seem really popular. But we need to come back. That, I don't even know what they have, but let's, let's do that. Let's go there. That, that's social dynamics. That's very much what's at play on these campaigns. It's different than just getting one uh, you know, VC or angel investor to close your round. You, you in many cases, need a thousand investors per million dollars raised based on a thousand dollar average uh, transactional value on a Reg CF. I mentioned the number twenty two hundred on a Reg A, so maybe it's a thousand investors for two point two million on a Reg A. There is a lot of benefits to that, and you have these ambassadors. You're setting the valuation. You're using the offering page almost as your PPM. Uh, and and it's 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 a very strong vehicle when it's working, and I'm basing that on founders we work with telling us that. Uh, but uh, but you have to use it. You have to be able to build off that crowd aspect uh, of this type of uh, type of vehicle. So at the end of the day, to paraphrase, 
the audience is the most important thing. And guess what? You better start that right now. Right now. To plan ahead. And even if you're raising capital, still, it's about that audience and awareness and the top of the funnel. And then working with somebody like yourself to maximize the top of the funnel down to the bottom where you actually have the investors. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, and I do want to just kind of comment something because you brought up, well, it's a $2,000 investor, a $1,000 investor. You've got thousands of investors and there's a very traditional saying of there's no bigger pains than the unaccredited investors, the little investors. And I just kind of want to throw this out there, especially with Jason, you started in equity crowdfunding with the Reg D's and Reg D's. You know, you ask for larger dollar amounts, the 50,000, the 100,000, just more money. Mm. And now with the crowdfunding offerings, you're asking for little bits of pieces from a whole lot of people, the entire audience. And I just want to kind of let everybody know that that's okay. It's not like it used to be where if you ask for $50,000 from somebody that's making $50,000, they're terrified. Of course, they're going to be a pain. But if you ask that same person for a thousand or two thousand dollars, it's an investment that they can afford. That's like fifty thousand dollars to that guy that's worth millions. So that's where the secret of the audience, the massive reach and the awareness shouldn't be scary to have a thousand investors because you know what? That's how you make the whole thing happen. I couldn't agree more. And we've worked on accredited investor raises, reg Ds of all sizes. Uh, I've worked with commercial real estate groups with a 250K minimum on their reg D. I would say 50K, like you're saying, is the most common, many in 100K. But, but then we have 25Ks. Uh, we just completed Boxables reg D on August 31st with a 10K minimum. And they're getting digital conversions not having to speak to most of the investors offline and they were regularly coming in far different than anything I've seen uh, on Reg D before. So I wouldn't play just for those larger investors. And even if you are, if you're able to get them in at one amount and continue talking to them, there's no reason they can't come in at a higher position. So I'd at least make your funnel you know, attractive for smaller investors, you believe in the funnel, you believe you can have audiences come through at scale and convert at those levels, uh, and then go for the higher investors out of that. And if one out of 10 of them come in, let's say on a reg CF at 5K, 25K, great. They're probably going to average in with the investors at the minimum of your filing, which is usually somewhere between $100 and $500. Uh, we're generally a fan of, of three to 500 because of advertising conversions and the costs. But, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of ideas to point out. You get investors in at a smaller level. It's just that stage of the funnel, and you could get them to higher levels as the conversation progresses. You know, it. Uh, I, I think it's hilarious. I love when just you talk to somebody long enough, and you know everybody through di six degrees. And uh, we actually did Boxable's reggae offering, too. So uh, hopefully if you aren't already working on the deal that we did with some uh, as well, I think we just got qualified not terribly long ago. <laughs> Small world. Yep, definitely is. Well, with the last few seconds that we've got, Jason, is there anything that you'd like to uh, to share with everybody that's listening? 
And of course, we'll be including your information so that uh, they can reach you anytime. Yeah. You know, as I mentioned before, we've worked on over 350 of these deals that have collectively raised nine figures of capital. We've seen what works. We've seen things not work with groups, work with groups that are in planning, that are plateaued, and groups that are scaling, not just uh, the ones that look like they have the most potential. And I can definitely provide ideas, if not insights, towards marketing for your campaign. Uh, we want to see a higher success rate industry-wide, and we are built to have these conversations with groups at any point. So I would say bring all the resources you can to your campaign. Schedule a conversation with us because I could show you what's working on the top campaigns today and what we've seen slow down in terms of marketing tactics. And, you know, the success rates for entrepreneurship, the success rates for equity crowdfunding warrant, uh, you know, bringing in as much uh, of these pointers as you can. So uh, please take advantage of that. I, I know Nate is a open book and resourceful and does the same for founders. And we want to be on that same side of the industry that, you know, wants to get educational content out around the marketing. And, uh, you know, as was mentioned, start putting content out today, start working on marketing today. We have resources that break that down. Uh, there are ways to do it uh, purely organically with content. There's ways to do it with advertising and at scale and really build it up quick. So uh, figure out what you want to do for your raise now in terms of marketing, add more fuel to the fire if your campaign is already live. Oftentimes, marketing will be an afterthought. It's something that's brought to the table at the end, and uh, it's it's just not what the biggest issuers in the space do. So begin today. I, I love it. So Jason Fishman, DNA Agency, the digital marketing extraordinaire, Thank you so much for for joining us today. And I got to be honest, it's uh, we really appreciate your background, but uh, that's not the value. The the true value is your experience in crowdfunding, as well as these strategies that, like, we can sing the song from the top of the mountain, but it takes somebody with actual experience and knowledge that has been doing it, time and time again, to take somebody down that path of here's a massive funnel. Let's create some awareness, but it's not just about getting to somebody one time. It's about multiple touches to turn them into an actual investor. And you know what? This is what we get to talk about, but it's not about just talking about it. It's actually doing it. And, and I really want to thank you so much, Jason, for being here today. Thanks, Nate. That means a lot to me. And yes, they say to be an expert at something, you've had to uh, have failed at it every way you could. With our marketing campaigns, we test it all. And uh, and that's why we're able to see what's coming down the path. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it, Nate. Thank you.